This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined as always with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a moment. Before we do that, we just want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there, other podcast episodes, over 200 podcast episodes, Jim, that are there, and uh, you can access them for free, uh, as well as you can request a stay at the Shepherd's House. We have some open spots this fall that will start again in August, so August to November this next year. And, but it is filling up, so if you'd like to come stay, go to the website. You can click on the just the request button, and that'll go to our staff. And so we'd love to host you for free. Jim, they can stay two days and two nights for free on 180 acres, six bedroom or six bedroom uh, log cabin on yeah, this. Yeah, you can just sleep in all of them. You, you just, can just set your alarm and move <laughs> from bed to bed. Move from bed to bed. <laughs> Please don't do that. My staff will hate you if you do that. But you can have your own room for the you whole time. You can have your own that? room. It's don't very nice. It, it's a very any, nice place. Don't give anybody ideas, Jim. So anyways, come. you can go access that all through the website. But also, if, if we can be helpful, you can reach us through the contact page there. So the website's the best place to go to reach us and let us know how we can help you. And uh, the podcast we're going to do today, like many of the ones we do now, are requests coming in through social media and other things of topics that some of you are asking us to cover. And that's true for this particular episode. And that is this. We want to talk about something that is important and is often not talked about in pastoral ministry. And that is how important is temperament, Jim, in the pastor as he tries to sort through what God's calling him to, where to go, try to fulfill his calling we talk a lot about gifts, don't we? We talk a lot about mm-hmm. abilities, as we should. That's really what's listed in the qualifications of First Timothy. But we also see temperament there. And temperament really matters, I think, and we don't give a lot of focus on it. So that's what we want to do today, especially in light of someone asking us to cover this topic. So, Jim, how would you set up this idea of temperament in the ministry from a biblical perspective to kind of get us started? Yeah, this is an interesting topic because it's one of those things that is probably more observed than it is you know, maybe necessarily directly addressed. Yeah. Although I do think you can say that there is a matter of direct address in Paul's letters to Timothy. And I think that there is a recognition that Timothy is of a certain emotional or temperamental bent. Uh, some of this, you know, gets into the realms and what, you know, these are words that we put on things of personality, temperament, uh, that some have a tendency toward being melancholy. Others are, are more cheerful. Uh, some are more outgoing. Some are more introverted. And all of those things can affect one's ministry. Uh, you find an interesting example uh, in the book of James about Elijah, and it talks about that, and it says of him that he was a man of passions like us. And it's interesting that he doesn't just say he was a person like us, but that he had passions like we do, that he had an emotional bent to him. Yeah, yeah. And you see that both in regard at times in, in Elijah's life to some really strong um, perseverance and determination, but then also relatively quickly emotionally falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he he struggles. You, you see a breadth of that. And if you study the prophets and if you study the, the, um, the apostles, you're going to find that there are some who have very different bents than others. Uh, some are far more outgoing than others. Some are more demanding. Some are more talkative. Yep, yep. Uh, and then you find uh, in John's writings uh, are very different than Paul's writings and different than Peter's writings. The same Holy Spirit working through different people. David writes and emotes differently than Isaiah. Isaiah differently than 
Ezekiel, Ezekiel different from Jeremiah. And so you say they all have, they, they have a, a similar calling, a, a similar empowerment, a similar base to their ministry, that is a direct revelation given from, given from God, and all of them with a desire to serve the Lord's people, but all serve in a different way and all serve in a different emotional context. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you simply state that this is a reality, and it's something I think that's very observable, and it was most likely observable uh, to others as they look at you, and it's a, and it's obvious to us as we interact with other pastors, uh, and particularly if we have an eldership, and if somebody were to go around and say you got four or five elders, you could pretty easily go around and, yeah. and describe the differences as well as the similarities, but those things that make a dif- make up a difference in the in the uh, disposition, temperament, personality of the elders. Yeah, you know, that's really helpful. Especially, you said something that I hadn't really thought of until I heard you. I mean, I can't Matt, can't believe it didn't come up in our in our whole three minutes of show prep today, Jim. But <laughs> so I'm learning from you even as we go. But that that you bring up the temp the way temperament is reflected in the the apostles' writings, and I think that's so true. You're right. Like you read Paul. And John, and you read Peter, you you see three different temperaments. Yeah, that, and we know they're there because there's other passages that talk about Peter and Paul's interactions and all. I mean, we we don't often oftentimes we don't look read the New Testament or just read just the Bible in general with a lens of temperament. We're always looking for other things, but that's indeed there, isn't it? And Paul's, I think Paul is the most autobiographical right. of all of the uh, apostolic writers uh, by by far. And he does write about his own emotional state, uh, senses of weakness, uh, senses of hurt, uh, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things, which really do. There are things that are like water on a duck's back to certain men that are crippling to others. And and, and that does affect uh, how they minister and their ability to minister. Uh, And so, you know, this is, I think, an important issue to think through and to try to understand yourself and understand how that will affect you both in regard to strengths and weaknesses. It's really good. And there, there's just kind of a tender heart reflected in the Apostle John's writings too, does it? I mean, there's oh, just, yeah. It's just there's inter- a sweetness in John. Yeah. Uh, you know, And then it's, I've often been, I don't want to get too far into this, but I've been amazed sometimes how pe- how non-biographical Peter is yeah, because Peter is so biographically prominent in the Gospels. He has a guy who he, you could imagine a storyteller and you know a guy who has stories about his walk with Jesus, and mm-hmm. he, he doesn't bring up hardly. He only opaquely references them in his writings. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that's a good. You, point. You, if if I were him, I would be telling these stories all the time. We but, could, but he doesn't. We could also apply this principle in church history too. Like think of our some of our heroes and the different temperaments that exist. Like yeah. you have a Lloyd Jones and and a Charles Spurgeon, right? Extremely different. Yeah. Andrew Fuller. Then, then like a John Newton, who just is, right. seems to be just the the most tender-hearted pastor that of, uh, I mean, it's the guy I Luther, mean, just, Calvin, and then you have the Luther yeah. and Calvin side. Right. It's just we're not going to go there through this, but I just wanted to highlight. You're right. We we really can see temperament all throughout. A lot of times we just don't focus on it, but hey, that's what we're doing today. We want to yeah. focus on temperament. So let's start there. We started with some categories. Let's just kind of throw out. Uh, you you kind of went past them pretty quick. I'd like to come back to them in a moment. So let's go back and forth on kind of what are what are some contrasting temperaments that matter when we're talking about pastors. Now, I'll start by saying extrovert, introvert, okay? I, I, and by the way, those of us who are, you know, we're committed to God's word, a lot of times we do not focus on 
some of these kinds of things that matter too much. Like, are you called? Are you not? Well, that's certainly a good part of the conversation. But these temperaments really matter in the implications of how you do daily ministry. So extrovert, introvert. You know, and I think there's an argument a lot of people love to make about, hey, you should be more extroverted. It, that's that's more beneficial because sure. extroverts are outgoing. They're people. They love right. people. They get energy from people. And let's face it. There's a lot of people involved, people, things involved in ministry. Right. Ministry is about but, people. And, so. and I'll speak, I mean, so I'm a classic extrovert. And and so I, I've had a lot of people who, who think that and assume I'm going to side in that way. I certainly find benefits as an extrovert in being a pastor. However, an, and that does not mean an introvert is at a disadvantage. Of, of, there's just as many benefits to be an introvert. It's just how it shows up in the ministry. So I do want to say that because I do think sometimes introverts... Introverted pastors get a bum rap because they're not like outgoing and gregarious in that way and mm-hmm. the way a lot of people think they want their pastor to be. But I do think there's equal I think there's benefits and downsides to both personality types within the ministry. We can get into that in a minute, but I want to highlight introvert extrovert is a big thing for you to know about your your own temperament to be able to know how to step into strengths and then how to grow in the weakness side. So, what would be another contrast in your mind? Uh, so, I'm gonna, you know, so the four classic categories uh, that have been come up, have, that others have come up with, and I recognize you run the risk of sounding psychobabbly here and whatever, but you have phlegma- phlegmatic, uh, sanguine, choleric, and, and melancholic. Okay, you're going to have to so define the, those. Yeah, so I'm going to give the, the two really big contrasts, okay. and that's those who are melancholy, of a melancholy disposition, and those what they call a sanguine disposition. Uh, Disposition, and that is that some are very cheerful, very happy-go-lucky. Uh, others, uh, the melancholic, uh, tends to see a sadder side of things. Uh, will focus on on that sorrow, uh, and you'll again you'll see that you see this in the right and some of the writings of the of you know if you were to do a psychological evaluation of David, there are times David goes between these. I think David. <laughs> You know, when we get into all that, what people diagnose him as, but you see him at times very sorrowful, very sad, very downcast, and at other times having a more mountaintop experience. Yep. Um, Jeremiah speaks about that he wishes his, you know, that his head were full of water and he could cry all, all day long, and, you know, and that sort. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, you know, others that, that would appear to be a, of a more cheerful bent. I think, you know, somebody like Joseph, uh, the Old Testament Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, is, is of that bent, finds himself in very distressing situations, is able to see God, God has good in it, and not, not that he's never down, but that he approaches life with a sense of joy and, uh, and hope and confidence that God's in what he's in for good and, and is able to deal yeah. with hard consequences. You know, so yep. that's going to affect the way a guy uh, deals with ministry. It's going to affect whether a guy gets ulcers or not, whether he's sleepless or not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how you handle conflict, uh, how you handle suspicions of people uh, who may not be very happy in the church, and, and some are going to respond to that one way, some are going to respond to that in another, and I think some of that is going to be in part— it's not just conviction. It's not just matters of of, of theological knowledge. It's matters of temperament, uh, how they handle this. Uh, yep. Others are going to be much more aggressive in handling a situation. Others are going to back off of it. Both will have biblical grounds for doing what they're doing, but their personality in large measure is going to drive them. That's a good point. Yeah, here's, in these that, ways. This, that's a good one. And I'll throw this one out there. I think it goes along with what you said, but 
I think these categories are helpful, and that's the optimist and the pessimist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think this one's an important one because a pastor who's trying to assess his flock and trying to have vision and thinking through how do you, how do I think about the future, having a hopeful, optimistic view on that, and having a a pessimistic, uh, sad, discouraged view on that. Mm-hmm matters in and that that really is a reflection of temperament i believe and and again all these temperament things we're talking about i would make an argument that both have benefits and downsides to them and i want to emphasize that because when we're talking temperament i do believe there's a there's a lot of people who want to say if certain pastors have to have it's better for them to have this temperament and this temperament right but i just want to say that that i think it's about Knowing yourself, knowing your temperament, I think is really what we want to emphasize here. One's not better than the other, but if you don't know what your temperament is, you don't know how to step into the strengths of it, and then to know how you need to grow in it. We can we can yeah. talk, hash that yeah. out. And, and if you don't realize, Brian, that, that again, some of what you may be dealing with and how you deal with it is not simply a matter of conviction and, and theological principle. Yeah. You need to recognize some of what you may be dealing with and why you want to deal with it the way you deal with it is rooted in the way God's put you together. It's, and this is what we want to... That's a, I'm and glad you, you said you just, that. You just need to know that because you can tend to think, well, my extreme sorrow is rooted in my apprehension of a broken world or my... Uh, you know, wanting to have the kind of ministry where I just I just kick a thing in the teeth, you know. Mm-hmm. And another guy is like, no, I think we need to hold back. Well, both can have a Bible verse slapped on yep. wh- doing why why they're doing it. But you have to realize sometimes, particularly if you're working, we'll talk about this in a minute. I think when you're working in a team, and hopefully again you're you're with others in ministry, you're not just ministering by yourself. Yeah, I I do think that I think if you are by yourself, you really need to be aware of this. Yeah, and I think if you're in a group of pastors, then you need to be aware if all of you are of a particular bent and that there may be a benefit of having others on the team uh, who can view things differently, bring something different to the table that comes again, not just from clear exegesis, but from how you connect with people, how people are going to respond, uh, that they have that a fuller picture that comes because no one, no, no well-rounded person is just one thing. Yeah, uh, you know, right. But but we do have something that tends to dominate in our personality and in yeah, our perspective. That, yeah, that's good. And so before we get to that group dynamic, which by the way, I want to talk. How does this affect serving as other with other pastors, elders, and leaders? I also want to highlight too in a minute how 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 that affects our marriages because mm. my wife's very different temperament than mm. mine, and. Um, I think for years she was there's pressure put on her to more be like more like me, and I've heard right. a lot of pastors' wives feel that way. We'll get there in a minute. What I want to do for for a couple minutes is let's let's highlight, let's kind of take these two profiles, if you will. Mm-hmm. We, let's and let's talk about the strengths and then the the weaknesses of each one. Let's go with extroverted, optimist, you know, cheerful, yeah, always positive pastor. That right. guy, life of the party, loves people. <laughs> You know, whatever. Let's take that guy. What's the strength of that kind of pastor? Uh, uh, very welcoming. Um, there is. Uh, I mean, I think we we want to be able to say of our of our faith and of our churches that there is an essence of good cheer. I mean, we are about good news. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And that ability to make people feel, uh, in a right sense, it can be this can be abused, but in a right sense that they that they feel welcomed. Um, that somebody's listening to them, they have the ability to connect with somebody, to, to 
remember their name, interact with them in a certain way that, that instantly begins to tether them or connect them to you, to your ministry, and to the body. I think that's a positive. Yeah, that's good. I think an also positive, just, just from a logistical standpoint, ministry is so much about people, and it's about all of us being sinners and messy people, that I think that when you naturally are just drawn to people, it helps. It makes it easier to just love people in yeah. general. Uh, when you gain energy from people and not people drain energy from right. you, it makes you want to go to them, which most people want. Yeah. You know, and, and they right. want to be pursued in that way. And so, it's for for the extrovert, uh, the, the optimist. I think it's easier to try to to try to minister to somebody through a warmth and a connection and even positivity. But let's. What's the downside of of that person, that extrovert, optimist, positive person, full of energy? Like, what's the what's the downside to that guy as a pastor? Uh, you avoid hard things, hard conversations, I, I right. and confrontation. I think that's a good one. That's definitely a negative one, um, and one that a lot. Then a lot of people don't feel cared for, and the extrovert thinks. Uh, the expert thinks I'm doing a good job caring for this person because mm. I'm trying to just give them a pep talk. When right. those guys, a lot of times, don't know how to sit with people in their suffering. Yeah, and that that is a lot of times the way our hurting people need to. Yeah, be you're to. drawn to a lighter. You're drawn, you know, and, and I think a danger as well it can be a sense of frivolity mm-hmm. and, and and undue lightness uh, in our public ministry um, that and in our worship. Where there is a tension between a, a solemnity and a reverence, and mm. where there is both a, a, aspects of transcendence and intimacy, and you're going to be tempted to so fully focus on the intimate and on the, hey, we're we're in Daddy's presence and everything's just real cool and casual, mm. and there is no sense of holy yeah. uh, and reverence. Huh. And so I think that can be a danger. Two other downsides come to mind with this particular profile is number one. I think this pastor has trouble just stopping being still and studying and praying. Mm. So, uh, and this is one I I can relate to as a pastor, I and and fits more of this kind of extroverted profile optimist. I had to make myself go sit and study and write my sermon and give the time to study and prayer. When I I would either part of it was tempted, part of it was feeling pressure that I I was trying to tend to pastoral needs. And I had to make myself go sit and, and study in the quiet and, and be there. Yeah. So that that is one of the downsides and to it is to have to make yourself do that. Brian, would you say this may be stereotypical that there there is a shallowness associated with a, a more bubbly, gregarious type? I think so. Type. I mean, again, okay, strong stereotype almost, you know, the guy, the lounge singer, you know, hey, how you doing, yeah. everybody? You know, great to see you. don't think to yourself, that's a deep thinker there. You know, that's somebody who knows how to <laughs> sit and you could have a really powerful conversation because we're going to get with, to the introvert in a minute and I because, think it's a strength right but, right yeah. and and so it may be that people think you know he's a guy I go to with to share happy you know he's a guy you invite to a birthday party but not to a not to your child's funeral yeah yeah that's right and that would be the other thing I would say is I think the um the tendency to try to be really positive as the way to minister to people and give them a pep talk, and just think encouragement's going to solve it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a that's a weakness of this. And, and I I spent probably my first decade of ministry, you know, doing that in a really unhelpful way. Mm. And, and until I really started to suffer and 
be personally just break and mm. start to learn to sit in suffering and to embrace sadness and 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 those kind of struggles that allowed me to as a as this type of profile there is a way to learn how to do it. and I've come to strongly value that that's largely I think the way we're where we best minister to people mm. but it took time for me to to learn that that's one of the weaknesses a lot of guys who haven't embraced that side to things don't know how to do that so okay let's let's shift to the introvert now yeah all right, so positives of being that introverted, thoughtful, um, you know, um, you know, but a, a pessimist Effect, yeah. in well, a good well, way. At least in, effect, affected, more obviously affected by sorrowful things. Yes, yeah, yeah. So what's an advantage? What's some of the advantages of that kind of pastor? Well, uh, we live in a broken world. Uh, this is a world that has a lot of sorrow and a lot of sadness to it. Mm-hmm. There is a... There is a fellowship with Christ suffering that I think somebody like that brings. Uh, Jesus was a man of sorrows. Uh, he mm-hmm. is acquainted with grief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody, again, I think what we're talking about here, because we're talking about temperamental bent, we're not talking about somebody who is necessarily always downcast and gloomy right. and, and somebody that always brings people down, but that they feel the weight of things they feel the weight and responsibility in a way that a more cheerful person is like, hey, just enjoy it. You know, yeah. you seem so burdened by it. Well, there there is a burden. In fact, I mean, even the term oracle and things like that is, a, I think, is 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 comparable to a term burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the word of the Lord is there is a burden that comes to somebody uh, with it, which is why some uh, teachers and preachers and prophets in the past have fled from it. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah's call to the ministry is really uh, filled with melancholy, and yeah. we 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 stop sometimes in our teach. Here I am, send me, and and then well how and then he says you're going to go, and people aren't going to hear, they're going to reject, and then he's you know how long, O oh Lord, you know that that yeah. sort of a thing, uh, and he's going to say later, you know, who has believed our report, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Yeah. That there is discouragement and sad. That is that's part and parcel of ministry, yeah. and and if you don't have a heart for that, if you can't understand that, and if you can't in some way emotionally represent that, then you're going to have a distorted view of the Christian life. That's good. I, I think another advantage or just strength of the kind of introverted, thoughtful... I, pessimism sounds like a negative word, but it actually... it I think it brings a, a, a real, you know, a in touchness to reality, I guess is the way to put it. Is you're yeah, not. Well, some say I'm not pessimistic. I'm real. I'm I'm a realist. I'm a realist, and right. I think that's fair. But I also think introverted pastors are able to, you know, are able to connect with people in a on a deeper level in a way mm-hmm. that the kind of bouncing all over the place, you yeah. know, extrovert, full energy cannot. And so they're able to connect with people in a meaningful way. I also think, as I mentioned before, the the introverted pastor is able to naturally sit and be still and study and pray and write, uh, you know, prepare their sermons and not feel rushed in that. It's kind of, it's kind of where they feel at home. And it, anytime we sit in an unhurried way and in a prayerful way, hmm. we sit with God's word and try to prepare to preach God's, to God's people, there's a lot of good that's going to come. The Spirit's right. going to work in that way. And I think an introvert is able to sit and really embrace that. They also just long for you know, meaningful relationships with individual people. Mm. And that is just meaningful for, for both, you know, both groups of people involved with that. So, okay. So downside to this introverted re- realist, we should say, 
Uh, what, what's a downside that comes with that with that kind of profile of pastor? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, we, you know, there is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, that's part of it. So that there can be, again, a truncated Christian experience that says uh, joy without sorrow, so sorrow without joy. Uh, and there can be at times um, a making of the Christianity, of following Jesus to sound like it's gloomy. You know, you need to die to yourself. It is, you know, take up your cross. Take up your cross. And, yeah. It's all saying no. It's I beat my body. I, you know, and, and whatever it is. And I, you know, I, I can remember years ago, and I, uh, I, I hope he would appreciate this if he heard this. But there was a fellow I knew uh, when I was pr- preparing for ministry who just had one of those, you know, hangdog type faces and expressions. And, and we were giving reports once in our seminary class about, you know, doing weekend ministry. And and we said, uh, so how, how did it go? He said, well, I ministered up at a certain place. Again, just complete stone face. And like he said, Eeyore, and he almost said, Eeyore pastor-like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, he said, it was glorious. I'm still rejoicing. And I wanted to say, tell your face, you know. <laughs> you're you're quite the I don't, salesman, aren't you? I don't think that word means what you think it means. I, you know, whatever it is. But it was. But again, it was. A, we're just. And I. Really, we are so different in our personalities. Yep. Yep. And I think I probably really irritated him at times because I was a more cheerful, happy-go-lucky guy. I'm not as much that anymore. I was going to say, I want to ask you that. Would you put yourself in more extroverted, introverted category now? I, I uh, Brian, I am a healthy mix now. <laughs> I am the world's, you, you know, I'm the world's most balanced man. <laughs> I got last year's hyphen award. Clearly. And, uh, you know, I, I am, you I am, the trophy to show I am it. the hyphen between yin and yang. Um, <laughs> so I am, uh, I'm both, I mean, I have had a lot of my happy-go-lucky fun kicked out of me. Yeah. So we'll uh, you know, it just it just has. It just uh, I, I had my first seven eight years of ministry were almost just nothing but joy, uh, nothing but growth, uh, nothing but people loving being here, loving your ministry, and, and all of the rest. And then you know, at some point, you know, re, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's not just again. What is reality? Well, reality is both. I mean, reality is right. that ministry has a lot of great joys, and dealing with people can be wonderful. And it can also rip your heart out. That's that's reality. Yeah. And so that sense of just sunny optimism that everything's going to go okay was replaced for at least a significant period of time, Brian, in my life with with a degree of cynicism. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, you know, I was, and we talked about this in the past, and it may be worth revisiting it at some time. I I I coined a phrase that I was I was going to be faithfully cynical, mm. and what I mean by that, I was going to be faithful. And that I was going to do everything the Lord told me to do. I was going to preach what He told me to preach. I'm going to. I'll give the gospel. I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah. I'm going to right. show people how to reconcile, but they're not going to do it. You know. I'm going to tell them. Yeah. I'm going to tell them how to do it, and I'm going to show them this is how. You, this is how. You, this is how you fix this. This is how you get along. This is how you fix this marriage. But then, and, and years of like, yeah, this is going to work. This is what the Bible says, and these are Christians. They're going to do what the Bible says, and it's going to be a wonderful triumph of grace. And you realize that, no, they're probably going to get divorced. And yeah. that's how I, 
I, I have entered into, sadly, the too many, yeah. and I've lost some of that. I think a right sense of optimism that should be ours in ministry, mm, an, ex, an expectancy. <clears throat> we ought to expect God to bless the preaching of the gospel. We ought to be disappointed, but I, I kind of protected myself yeah, yeah. Uh, from that. So, you know, the, mm. I, you know, I don't know, Brian, I don't know that I fit neatly into one of those. I, 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 I enjoy being with people. But when I get energized, it's often in isolation. Yeah. It's, I'm glad you shared that, Jim. Thanks for sharing that because I think you've captured well that our temperaments will evolve yeah. over time as we age. But our temperaments will evolve, I think, just out of the reality of just the the difficulties of ministry. You know, we talk a lot around here uh, that St. Corinthians 4 passage. I mean, we're we're dying a little bit every day for the sake of the flock. I mean, it's kind of our mm-hmm. understanding what's happening to a pastor. When you do that 20 years, 30 years, like you have 35 years, uh, there's there's going to be an effect. We yeah. can't, it, on our on the full of our humanity, which includes our temperament. So, yeah. and I can, can, I can relate somewhat to what you're saying. I, I would almost, I, I think the hyphen award, you deserve it. I can't claim the hyphen award. There's only one person who should get that. But I would I would describe myself as an extroverted realist. Yeah. You know, I was like I'm I'm aware that I still tend towards I, I enjoy people. Yeah. But man, there's a there's a realism that that out of just out of all that I've gone through in my life, and I think that's going to happen to to any pastor. Okay. Uh, let, yeah. I was going to say, Brian. I think we need to recognize that we live at a certain time in church history, and our the ethos of the age, the zeitgeist, does affect us and how we view things. And and our many of our church services, as they are conducted today, would be would be met with people of the past with a degree of horror. Mm. Um, those who are heroes of the faith, many of them, most of them, were probably bent a bit more toward the melancholy. Yeah, uh, you know the. Um, the Robert Murray McShane's and others, and not that there's no joy in their ministry. You know, John Calvin who suffered yeah. so much. Um, you know that that there was a depth. There was a there's a there is a depth that comes, I think, in suffering that does not come. Obviously, doesn't come through frivolity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have I have benefited from a comedian, but I don't think I've ever been made holy by a comedian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I I have been made cheerful when I am down, but I don't think I've ever been transformed. I've never been transformed by a joke. Yeah. Um, I have through tears. And, and I think so. That's part of what we need to recognize. Last couple of minutes, I do want to transition to okay. So, how does our temperament? How do we think about how that affects when we serve with other elders, pastors, other leaders? Um, even we throw in there how, how our temperament in comparison to our wife's temperament. Mm. Um, any just any word around that? Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. Brian, I think one one of the things is we we need to first of all recognize sometimes that part of how I am thinking is the result of how I'm put together. Right, and I think we all want to think. No, I'm just thinking soberly because we are commanded to think soberly. But part of that sober mindedness is recognizing I'm being influenced unduly by, you know. So for me, again, sometimes confrontation. I'm very con- conflict averse, and some of that comes from being in a home with an abusive father. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I, when when somebody raises their voice, I wanted to run. My dad, I wanted to run. I wanted to hide. And so I still, when somebody's really displeased or angry or something like that, it brings me back to my childhood. Yeah. And yeah. I have to recognize, say, okay, no, I can't do that. I, I have something I have to deal with. Be a man about it trust God in it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to you know, make yourself overcome what's native to you. 
And so sometimes that means, again, if you were the, the, the happy-go-lucky guy, look, this is a time for tears. This is a time, this is a time you're called to, to say no to that. Uh-huh. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, and the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And that means contr- being the ability to be able to rightly control some of this to the best of our ability to effectively minister in one situation over against another. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, the, I, one main thing I would probably say around this is uh, see the value of other people's temperaments that are yes. different than yours. Is probably I think this applies both in ministry marriage and I think it applies in yeah, plurality right. of elders yes, and absolutely. leaders. Because a lot of times we are... We are again. This is why self awareness about how God's made us is so important. Because if we if we don't, we then we think everybody's just supposed to be like we are. Right. So we'll try to turn an introvert into an extrovert, or an extrovert, you know, right. an optimist versus a the realist. You know, and yeah. And so I think in, in, embrace and celebrate, like among elders, like embrace and celebrate. Right. The the sober minded realist is going to balance out. The extroverted dreamer, right, and that's really important to right. happen among Absolutely. leaders like that. So, Absolutely. Em- so I would say embrace the personalities, the different personalities, how God's made you, as you all together pursue the the temperament aspects that are described in First Timothy three and other things that we're told is is about pursuing godliness. I mean, g- gentleness and kindness and self control. I mean, in, to some degree, some might label those as a part of a temperament, but the reality is. That's how all, that's how that's all everybody are pursuing godliness. Exactly right. So the other thing I would say, and I would apply this in to, to marriage. Like my my wife is is more introverted. She's more of a realist. Like we, we are very different in that way. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, in some way, at different times, you know, I, I that annoyed me. I pushed against it. I didn't celebrate it. And then I look back in other ways. I saw like my my wife saw things I didn't see, and I think in in different ways. And I think a lot of that has to do with. She's not looking at it in just full positive mode, you know, right. dreamer mode like I would. And she helped me in so many different ways when I was able to see it. And there's other times I just foolishly didn't see it, didn't didn't take advantage of, mm. of her. So I, I would say in whether it's marriage or whether it's just leadership among elders, like you'll celebrate the differences, though it's hard to maybe understand where they're coming from. That's how it's going to round things out. Mm. So Jim, any final word around just this idea of temperament before we uh, wrap it? Yeah, it's so Romans chapter twelve tells us we're, we're all to think soberly about ourselves and really try to understand ourselves. And, and I think that by having the input of others uh, and the recognition of how my personality, because of this, this is truth conveyed through personality. I mean, yeah. that's what teaching and preaching and pastoring is. Right? Uh, it, it, how this affects myself and how it affects others, and yeah. so. Uh, being involved with others, listening to others, recognizing that I will have a tendency towards certain things, that some of which is very good, but that also comes with a certain degree of caution. So I think that kind of um, self-awareness and the ability to listen well to others uh, who may come alongside us and say, you know, this is, I know the way you've been put together, but because of that, you need to you need to. And I think we need to be able to listen to that and not feel so locked in. Well, it's just the way I am. Yeah. It's just my personality. It'd be unreal for, it'd be untrue for me to be anything other than that. Well, yeah. again, we, we, we are beholden to higher things than that. That's good. My last word on this is just it's it's not as important about what your temperament is as much as you are aware of what your 
hmm. temperament is. Hmm. So because however aware we are, how we're put together by God, is is I think what allows us to then step into the strengths and grow in our weaknesses. If we're right. not aware of what those are, we we won't we won't be able to be aware of how to how to push ourselves to grow in those ways. Right. So, Jim, we take a minute and just, just sure. pray for pastors thinking through their own temperament yeah. around this. Our Father in heaven, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and and you have made us uh, not only uh, physically, but you have created us as emotional and intellectual beings with a soul. Uh, and Lord, do help us to honor and glorify you and to be useful in your kingdom according to how you've made us. But Father, again, we pray that while we would be wise, we would not be slaves to such things. Uh, aid us, Lord, in all things to strive to be edifying, uh, to love others well uh, in the way you've made us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.